Hi, this is Kevin McCullough. Thanks for listening to the Christian Outlook podcast, where we cover today's issues from a perspective that honors your Christian faith. Our podcast is brought to you through a partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I trust you'll enjoy. You know, I was thinking today, among the many humorous but wise sayings my dear late father had when I was a kid growing up, was one that said, the same bee's not going to sting me in the same place twice. And millions of Americans are still unconvinced that the results of the 2020 election were indeed totally above board and legitimate. And I mean, notwithstanding numerous claims and reports otherwise. So they're concerned that it not happen again, if you will, that the same bee not sting us the same place twice. Well, join us to talk more about it. Ken Cuccinelli, he is the national chairman of Election Transparency Initiative. Their website is electiontransparency.org. Make a note of that. It's a grassroots organization committed to seeing to it that the country's elections are fair and legitimate and transparent. Always good to talk with you, Ken. Thank you for the time today that you're giving us on this. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Don. It's been a little while. It has indeed. uh, We need to find ways to connect more frequently. There's so much going on. But take us into this, I'm not sure what the metaphor would be, this swamp of election uh, confusion and so forth especially in light of what uh, happened back in 2020, how concerned should we really be over the integrity of our election processes? Yeah, you know, Don, I will say this. 2020 was a mess. Uh, There's never been a perfect election, but it was particularly bad. And um, But the good news is we've made a lot of improvements in a lot of states since then. Now, where you and I live in Virginia, it actually... It's gotten a bit worse, but we found a way to remediate that. After 2020, three or 4,000 ordinary citizens stepped forward and got themselves trained as election officials and went inside and helped run the election. Mm. And um, you see in the news these days, the Democrats are screaming bloody murder because Republicans are showing up as election officials. (laughs) And (laughs) And mind you, when this process started in Virginia, the Democrats outnumbered Republicans inside the polling places about two to one. And they still outnumber Republicans and they're still screaming bloody murder. So uh, but I will tell you, as a former attorney general, the most important thing to keep someone considering doing bad things like cheating in the election from doing them is their sense that people are watching. And um, and the likelihood of getting caught, it isn't the punishments, it's how likely are they to get caught. And people listening to you and me can go become election officials. They're still more needed in everywhere you're broadcasting. Um, no matter what the rules are, both sides should try to win by the same rules and that everybody should have to obey the rules. One of the big problems in 2020 is so many state officials broke their own state's laws. They broke their own rules, and you don't pass laws to say follow the law. That's what the first law was for. Um, But we've made real improvements in other states all around the country, and, I mean, I could rattle off dozens of them. Just by way of example, Zuckerbucks have been banned in 22 states now, including Virginia on a bipartisan basis. It was also done on a bipartisan basis in Kentucky and in South Carolina. So this isn't just uh, Republican versus Democrat stuff. And the beauty of good elections, if you put 100 people from all across America in a room, they'd come out probably with over 80 percent agreement in how an election 
should be run to be run well. They'd come out with voter ID. They'd come out with clean voter rolls. They'd come out with all these kinds of basic, simple things that are really just common sense. They're not controversial until one side or the other is proposing them. And then suddenly they become political. Well, I noticed at the top of your website, and again, folks, it's electiontransparency.org, I believe. You have two bills there that you are calling on our senators to vote no on, H.R. 1 and H.R. 4. Talk about those bills and why it's important that they not see the light of day. So at the federal level, the main focus of the election transparency initiative these last two years has been stopping those two bills. They are Washington takeovers of elections. And since the founders passed the Constitution, states have been in charge of elections. The only exceptions to that were after the Civil War and um, and when the federal government through through the Civil Rights Act uh, was making sure that black citizens could vote everywhere. Um, That's it. Other than that, the states have run elections. Well, the radical left, and I don't mean all Democrats, I mean the truly radical ones, want a Washington takeover with one type of election system run from Washington where it's easy to cheat and hard to prove. And um, we want a system where it's easy to vote and hard to cheat. Well, why would they want it easy to cheat? Well, because they cheat. And um, they, they know that they will not be the only ones that do that, but they'll do more of it and win more elections with it more vigorously than anybody else in the system. Um, That's a danger to our republic. It's a danger to our constitutional form of democracy. And um, that's why it's been so important these last two years to stop H.R. 1 and to stop H.R. 4. These are bill numbers, federal bill numbers, that really were comprehensive election takeovers by Washington. And to give a sense of just some of the ways they were bad. H.R. 1 would have forced states to register every adult who came into any of their databases to vote. Well, lots of non-citizens come into those databases. It then would have removed criminal penalties for anybody who was registered that way when they voted. That literally means millions of non-citizens would be pushed onto the voter rolls and it While it wouldn't technically be legal for them to vote, the punishment for voting would have been removed. That was not a coincidence. At the same time, they've got an open borders policy going. So you can see the kind of strategic plan they have. And again, the Democrats, you know, sort of on your street at home, they're regular people. That isn't who's pushing this. These are the real Stalinists like AOC the squad. And unfortunately, President Joe Biden has let that very small minority of the Democrat Party, the most radical portion of it, really have control of his administration. And um, and certainly they are pushing the leadership around in both the House and the Senate as well among the Democrats. So that's a very dangerous situation. We've barely averted it so far. Uh, if Republicans take back either the House or the Senate this November, that danger will pass for now. Um, these bills have been around for years. They weren't cooked up in response to 2020. So they're not going anywhere. So we have to remain vigilant. 
And in comparison with that, or as perhaps an illustration of that, this desire on the part of the far left to centralize all power in Washington at the federal level is not not basically what was going on with COVID itself in terms of governors of various states really being hamstrung in many cases of dealing with this on a local level because of the mandates coming out of Washington and out of the Biden administration. Yeah, you had it, and it tended to be a a one-way ratchet. So you had some governors like Ralph Northam in Virginia who were locking the place down um, and being encouraged in some respects to do so by certain parts of the D.C. power structure, uh, CDC most notably. And um, and then you had the other end of the spectrum, the the Ron DeSantis's of the world, uh, who fought very hard to keep their states open and frankly were very successful in that but not they didn't get any help from washington especially when joe biden took over um it it was an open fight um and ron DeSantis, to his credit along with some others stuck to their guns and kept their states open their states thrived no more people were dying there than anywhere else, and they had the benefits of freedom and an economy that didn't collapse, and children who got to go to school. Um, so, you know, in the long term, they're clearly far better off, and it's something that uh, we're going to have to learn from for the future. The problem, the concern with what and how we learn is that that whole situation was so politicized, and I was one of the seven people on the original COVID task force appointed by President Trump. So I got to kind of see that from the beginning and how it changed very quickly. Um, and uh, it, turned, it turned pretty ugly pretty quickly. And that, that, was, uh, that was bad for America and the world, frankly. Your office generously provided several links for stories that, if time allowed, we could get into. But one of them was that I wanted to get your thoughts on out of the Texas Observer, I guess it is. With midterms nearing, election administrators in Texas and elsewhere face threats and harassment. So there are those who are really pushing back on this effort to clean up and tighten up our elections, aren't there? Yeah, and and they use these, frankly, bullcrud stories like this. Um, And I don't say there has never been threats to election officials. We've had them in Virginia. We've had Democrats in open meetings threatening physical violence against Republican fellow board members, and nobody's done anything about it. But now suddenly we're making headway in actually reforming and updating elections all over the country. And so they're desperately looking for a new ad hominem attack because apparently calling us all racist because we want to clean up elections hasn't worked because, of course, we're not racist. Um, so this is the this is the newest one. Oh, they're, they're, and, it, and it's sort of sticks with their all Republicans are terrorists theme that we've seen since January 6th of last year, whether it was from Speaker Pelosi uh, or the January 6th committee or the Department of Justice, including going after parents at school board meetings. Um, this is just a con- this is part of a narrative. It isn't really uh, a broad problem across the country, but you're hearing a ton about it all of a sudden. It's all talking points being shared across the radical left, including their uh, mainstream media uh, toadies. And and so you're going to keep hearing about it, Don, but it's going to be just as barely true as it ever was. Um, It's not a good excuse not to clean up elections. 
Final quick question, Ken. I want to get your thoughts on the invasion of a former president's home, Mar-a-Lago, and that mess that's still unfolding. What's your thought? Well, I was an attorney general in Virginia, and when we, on those rare occasions when we had politically tinged work that had to be done, um, because it was outside the realm of normal criminal investigation, we were prepared to publicly explain what we were doing and why. And Garland has not done that. He's burying the facts, which suggests this was just as political as people suspect. Um, And the reason it's important for an attorney general to do that, I don't care what party you are, is because once you start using the power of government in ways that have the appearance of playing politics, you are messing around with the foundations of our constitutional republic. And uh, this is really Banana Republic stuff. And so far, Merrick Garland has been failing this test very, very badly. They have not demonstrated, um, not I won't even say convincingly at all, that there was any need or reason to do what they did. And, um, and particularly given the historic precedent of not undertaking this sort of action while cooperation was going on with counsel for the president, meaning President Trump. Um, very bad form. Um, they have invited every paranoid suspicion to be voiced out loud because they've given them all credence. On that note, we have to break, but Ken, as always, good to talk with you. Let's do it again more frequently. Glad to do it, Don. Always a pleasure. Thank talk. you. Ken Cuccinelli, national chairman of an organization you need to know about, Election Transparency Initiative, and their website is electiontransparency.org. Thanks for listening to Christian Outlook. Our program is coming to you today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy our podcast, take a moment and tell a friend to subscribe today. 